everybody. Welcome back. I'm Crystalina May. I am the witchy historian. I'm your host. And I am so happy to be back with y'all after spending some time uh, to heal emotionally and physically from a very grueling 2023. I hope that 2024 has started off well for all of you and that you're all ready for some fun new episodes and content coming up this year. Remember to follow me over on Instagram at Witchy Historian or on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash The Witchy Historian for updates on the show. For today's current event check-in, I wanted to touch on something that's been happening at the University of Virginia and impacts me directly. In December of 2022, UVA failed to issue nearly 200 graduate worker stipends on time by our promised payment date. This was not a singular incident. It is part of a larger systemic issue that has been recurring for many, many years. The United Campus Workers of Virginia put together a campaign, and I was a part of a delegation that met with Provost Ian Baucom in early January of 2023. Baucom put together a task force and promised us solutions. We met with Baucom and members of that task force in April of 2024, which... At that time, they provided us a list of deliverables with certain deadlines. To date, almost none of the tangible changes that they outlined have been made, and our continued issues with payments have continued to be brushed off, and our calls for admin to address chronic understaffing and to simplify the needlessly complicated financial payment system have gone almost entirely unheeded. Staff members have spoken in support of both our campaign efforts and the comments that we've made, and even some faculty members have voiced their concerns about uh, upper admin's continued insistence that repeated missed and late payments are not a systemic issue when they very clearly are. We recently held a town hall showcasing where UVA chooses to prioritize their spending, namely not on their students, staff, faculty, or graduate workers. As a public educational institution, that relies on taxpayer money and donors to run. There is no reason that student workers, staff, and faculty should not be the top fiscal responsibility and priority of our leadership. If you would like to help or learn more, please follow UCWVA on Instagram or Twitter and share our posts to get more attention on the issues that we are dealing with at UVA and to help boost our campaign efforts. You might notice that this episode is not dropping on a Friday, but instead is dropping on a full moon. 
Today is the full moon in Leo, and episodes for at least the first half of this year, if not for the full year, will be dropping on full moons. The full moon in Leo, or the first full moon of the year, is called the wolf moon, because during the midwinter is when wolves are more active. So they're more likely to be heard howling and roving through the woods. Some other names for this full moon is the cold moon, frost exploding moon, the great moon. All of those are by the Cree nation. The freeze up moon, which is Algonquin. The severe moon or hard moon from the Dakota Nation, the Greetings Moon, which is West Abenaki, the Spirit Moon from the Ojibwa, and the Quiet Moon from the Celtic. The full moon in Leo this year is aspecting Jupiter and Pluto. So this is a really good time to release old beliefs and lay the foundation for new ideas to grow. This is especially true in your career and in your relationships of any kind. Full moons in general are great for introspection. So this particular phase is a great time to prepare to release things that are holding you in a stagnant place and prepare to move forward into a time of actionable healing. A new year calls for a new calendar. Unfortunately, there's no witchy calendar this year, but I was able to find some Shakespearean insults. So for Thursday, January 25th, the Shakespearean insult is from King Lear. And Shakespeare says, From the extremest upward of thy head to the descent and dust beneath thy foot. Thou art a most toad-spotted traitor. So for today's episode, we're going to go back to basics again and talk about meditation. I'm sure most of you have a general idea of what meditation is, but I want to touch on some ideas of what meditation isn't. It's not hypnosis. It doesn't require unbroken concentration, tight focus, or an empty mind. It doesn't have to be a certain length of time, and you don't have to have fancy tools, music, sound machines, or sound bowls, or even a certain position or meditation space for your meditation to be effective. Meditation is just stopping and getting in touch with you. That innermost part of you that we so often brush past. Meditation shouldn't be hard. It's just a thing that exists and helps you become more aware, even if it's just to notice that it's hard to meditate. No one person is better or worse at meditation than anyone else because there is truly no wrong way to do this. 
There may be specific structures within certain practices, but meditation itself has only one rule. Get in touch with you. So how and where and when should we meditate? Again, there's not much here in the way of rules. Get as comfortable as you can, wherever you are, and if you're sensory sensitive, maybe try wearing some comfortable clothes or lying down to get in the least stressed state of mind. If you're especially scattered or have ADHD, a guided meditation might be especially helpful for you. And I'll talk more about different techniques and different types of meditations shortly. So what's the benefit of meditating? Besides the spiritual factors and getting more grounded, meditation can help provide mental and physical benefits. Science says that meditation changes the way that our brain functions and that it reacts to situations. So it can actually be a really effective tool to deal with stress, mood, pain, and there's even research to suggest that meditation can aid in improving memory and boosting creativity. There are a bunch of different techniques available and I'm going to go over some of the more common ones right now and just kind of explain where they came from and what they are. So as I mentioned previously, guided visualization. Uh, this actually originates from Buddhist monk practices and it focuses your mind on a specific thing to help you gain clarity about that thing and to help kind of sort through your emotions about the situation. Another technique is heart rhythm meditation, which is focused on developing your conscious abilities and emphasizes regular deep breathing and following the beats of the heart. There's also Kundalini meditation, which is a very deep meditative state that is used to activate the Kundalini or coiled serpent that sits within the root chakra and allows it to flow upward through your body, tracing up your spine and out the top of your head out of your crown chakra. There's mindfulness meditation, which is another Buddhist tradition, which allows us to kind of have our mind wander as the body relaxes. It's kind of a separation of mind and body. Slow, deep breathing is a key feature of this particular technique. And as long as it doesn't interfere with the recognition, acceptance, and passing by of thoughts and images that present themselves as you're kind of wandering through the meditation. Qigong is a Chinese meditation that is focused on very strong respiratory breathing, and it's meant to improve the respiratory system and support your posture. So this one is a little more structured and has more intensive features to it. 
there is also transcendental meditation. This is a specific trademarked movement that was began in the 1960s. It is a type of mantra meditation that is done in a basic lotus position. Um, basic lotus is basically where you cross your legs like crisscross applesauce and then take your feet and put them on the thighs of the opposite leg. So you're kind of folded up into a pretzel on yourself. If you're, if you're in yoga or you've done yoga, you probably are familiar with this pose. Um, but if you've never had any experience with it, that's what it is. Next, we have Zazen meditation, which is a Japanese Buddhist tradition. And this is done on a specific special flat mat called a Zabutan and a cushion called a Zafu. And this one, again, you're going to allow your thoughts and ideas to kind of come in and go and you're letting them go without judgment or engagement. And this is for the practice of self-control and regulating of your emotions. Finally, we have mantra. So mantra meditation is very short, repeated phrases during the meditation. It might be guided or it might be one of those kind of more wandering meditations. And this just helps focus your energy on that intention as you are relaxing your body and getting your mind in that state. So meditation has existed in most religious practices and even some non-religious but spiritual practices into time immemorial. It has existed for thousands and thousands of years, has been practiced worldwide. And so it doesn't really belong to one particular culture or religion. Certain specific practices within meditation do, but meditation as a whole is very, very diverse. Meditation, as we recognize it today, is thought to have kind of originated from Hindu traditions around about 1500 BC, but there are traces of it in China and in Africa and in the Americas that go far, far further back than that. So as far as it can be established, the roots of meditation, again, as we know it today, evolved within this Ramanic religious movements in pre-Buddhist communities. And this, again, kind of focuses on that very monk-like way of living and committing to that kind of restricting your body and physical engagement with the world around you from excessive pleasure. So this kind of more ascetic type of tradition and meditation is a way to control 
the urges that accompany that kind of restriction. So in Buddhism, there are many different forms of meditation. Uh, There are ideas about enlightenment and nirvana and breathing exercises and concentration across different regions and countries that contain Buddhist pieces of Buddhist culture, pieces of Buddhist practices. And so many of them as time has moved forward have become rather flexible. And so these meditations can often be accompanied by, you know, chanting and ringing of bells or singing bowls are one of the kind of standards in this type of practice. Um, And this is very similar to Hinduism, whereas, um, again, Hinduism is not a monolith. It has many different subsects within it. Uh, But Hinduism often includes fundamentals of yoga within it as well in that meditative practice. So there's lots of postures or asanas, those poses that are used and can be um, maintained to support different meditations as you are moving towards different goals and objectives. And so there are similar concepts to the concept of nirvana in Buddhist, or uh, like the Buddhist nirvana in Hindu is kind of similar to moksha. In Christianity, there is something called contemplative prayer, which is similar to meditation, but the emphasis is on connecting to God instead of connecting to your inner self. So if you are a Christian practitioner that engages with um, these types of practices, be aware of that difference. And if you choose to use it in the more interconnection way, that is also completely fine. Um, But be aware of uh, some of those differences in the difference between contemplative prayer or contemplation versus meditation. Meditation is connection with you. Contemplation is connection with God. So that's going to be the difference there. There are also more modern religions like Jainism, Sikhism, uh, Taoism that all include meditative practices of different sorts. Uh, We also have Native American practices that include meditations in what has been called a sweat lodge or smoking, uh, chanting, drumming circles, things like that. Judaism also includes contemplation which can involve things like chanting, breathing with intention, um, very similar to other meditative practices. And Islam also contains meditation. Meditation is an enormously important part of Islam. They believe that it enhances their spiritual development and can be a way of discovering solutions 
to any issues that they're facing. So um, that is something that many, many Muslims engage in on a daily basis. Uh, and that is besides their daily prayers that they engage with. There are a lot of different tools available for people who would like to use them. None of these things are necessary. The key to making meditation work for you is creating a space that makes you feel comfortable and happy. For me, I personally like putting on music that is relaxing, that has um, bilateral sounds that changes between my ears. I put on my noise canceling headphones and I lay down, but not all the way. So I'm kind of propped up a little bit and I kind of sit cross-legged on my bed, usually speaking. Sometimes I sit in a chair, but I support myself with pillows and soft things and I cover myself up with a blanket and I listen to that music and I also usually turn on a guided meditation that does not have pauses in it. For me, that's really, really important because I cannot get myself in a state of relaxation without that guidance, without being able to visualize and bring myself into that state. That is me. Many, many people have great success without guided meditations. And if you don't need one, that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with you. But if you're more like me and you're a little scatterbrained or just a, maybe a really busy person and you don't have a lot of time to devote to forcing your brain to shut down before you really get into the meditation and a guided meditation helps you with that, there is nothing wrong with you. Use the tools that you have available in order to make this as easy for you as possible and as enjoyable for you as possible. YouTube has been a fantastic resource that is free and affordable that does not restrict how long that listening time is and you can set it up so that you can zero in on how long you want your meditation to be. Sometimes you can even search by topic and that can really, really help. But some of those other tools, you could have complete silence or as close to it as you can get. Or sounds, like I said, I really like to have that bilateral music and then I throw that guided meditation on over the top of it. Other practices include breathing techniques, mantras, drums, chanting, flutes, singing bowls, soft music, anything like that, that can help really create just that nice, comfortable space for you. It's really, really common for people who meditate to use incense or scented sprays, specific candles or essential oils in their meditations to help really bolster their intention with that meditation and to fill the space that they're in with the scent or the feeling of the space that they're trying to get in mentally. 
For instance, I have a specific meditation that I do that has me outside in the sun by a lake. So I have two incense that I burn side by side when I do that meditation. One is called the sun and it smells like barbecue and fresh laundry. That's my best description for it. The other one is called first rain and it has that kind of lighter, almost that light cool water cologne spell where it reminds you of fresh water, but paired with the sun incense, it reminds me of being by a lake. And since that's the space that I'm trying to get into, that's what I try to recreate in the space around me. Some people like to just have certain smells for their meditations. Some people like to echo what they're visualizing. Some people like to take the intentions of whatever it is they're focusing on and use those smells and those essential oils, those incense, that any type of herb that would complement that intention. Whatever works for you and whatever you're trying to accomplish with your meditation, that is what you should do. Again, there's not a lot of hard and fast rules here. Unless you're part of a specific practice that has really strong traditions that you should be following, if you're part of that practice, you can wiggle around and figure out what works for you. And even within your own practice, you should absolutely explore those options and see what works for you. Now, I'm going to read a meditation for all of you. This will be our own little guided meditation. And I am borrowing this from the book Meditation, Your Personal Guide by Jacqueline Towers. And this is the Protection and Clearing Meditation. While sitting comfortably, be aware of your body and relax. Close your eyes, starting at your head, release tension from your eyebrows and your forehead, from your eyes and your cheeks, your nose, your mouth, relax your jaw, your neck, shoulders, your arms, hands, and fingers. Let that relaxation flow down your chest, into your stomach, your hips, your thighs, knees, calves and feet. Let everything relax. Imagine you have a closed chimney 
in the top of your head, but that there is a flap on one side of that chimney. You can choose either side of the chimney. Now, draw down pure white light from above into the chimney through the flap. Bring the light down the side of your body, starting with your head, bringing it down into your shoulder, then your arm, and continue to push that light down your body, through your chest, into your stomach, down into your legs and into your toes. The more bright white light that you bring in to one side of your body, the more you can push out through the other side. The stress, worries, and negativity that fill your mind. Imagine a second flap on the other side of the chimney and keep pushing the white light in until you see black smoke coming out of the other flap. Keep bringing in the pure white light until it has completely replaced the black smoke. When the white light has filled your entire body and only white light is coming out of the chimney. Close the flap. This might take some time, so keep bringing in that white light, bringing it in, pushing it down through your body, welcoming it in, letting it fill you, pushing the black smoke out of you on the other side. As that black smoke gets thinner and more sparse and the white light has filled you completely, you can close the flap. You are now fully protected and filled with white light and you can use this to ground, to center, to shield, or whatever you need to do to refuel, to carry on throughout your day. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I am so grateful for all of you. And again, I'm really glad to be back. I will be back next month with another history episode. So get ready to talk about another Popple Bull as we move forward into 1376. I can't wait to see you all again. And don't forget to join me over on Facebook facebook.com slash groups slash the witchy historian 
every new moon I go live and do tarot polls and update all of you with what's going on and with witchy topics. Instagram at witchy historian and TikTok at the witchy historian. I don't make a lot of consistent content because, well, you know, I am writing a thesis and taking a bunch of other classes, <laughs> but I do what I can when I can. So please join me over there whenever you can. If you have any ideas for witchy topics or would like to hear about a specific person or event in history relating to the witch trials or witchy stuff, let me know. Drop me an email at thewitchyhistorian at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Have a great rest of your January and a fantastic start of your year. Enjoy your bulk on February 2nd, and I will see you all on the next full moon. <laughs>